Michelle Donnelly, and this is the Christian Single Moms Podcast. I believe that every single mom can discover a life of peace, power, and purpose, and that you can do it right through the things that God is carrying you through in your season as a single mom. Here we talk about all of the things that matter to a single mom, but most of all, I hope you found a place where you feel like you belong. Let's get started. Hey, I'm really glad you could be with me for this episode today. I'm your host, Michelle Donnelly. We're just about to dive into the thick of the holiday season, and there's one thing I know that the holidays often brings, and it's grief. Grief is not always easy for us to get our arms around, and having to deal with it at a time like this can just be super overwhelming. I'm joined in this conversation today by author Clarissa Moll. Clarissa is here to talk with us about understanding our grief and how that can help us not only move through the holiday season, but this season of our lives as well. Over the last several months, I've received several emails from women asking, where is the loneliness type quiz? And it is back. As single moms, loneliness is something we all have to deal with, but the reasons why we each deal with it are different and don't have that much to do with being in a relationship. To learn more about your experience with loneliness, what's causing it, and some of the ways out, start with our What's Your Loneliness Type quiz. You'll find a link to that down in the show notes or by heading over to plusoneparents.org. I think with grief, one of the places where we get stuck is either not being able to identify what we're experiencing as grief or grappling with this feeling that maybe I shouldn't be feeling this and that I should be over it already. In this conversation, Clarissa brings such a clarity to both of those experiences, but then also offers some really practical ways that we can work through those things during a time that feels like it should be a big celebration but it's just not. Here is my conversation with Clarissa Mall. Clarissa, I'm excited to have you with me today. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me, Michelle. Clarissa, grief is something that a lot of times we think we're supposed to process something and then just get over it. We're supposed to have a period of time where it's okay for us to mourn and then somehow that's supposed to all just be cut off at one point. We're supposed to hit this magic marker and then we just go back to living life as we did before. But that's not that's not really it. And I think a lot of us have this sensation of like this cannot be it because I'm not I'm not getting there. I'd like to yeah. know if you would start us off with understanding how that kind of a, a look at grief can cause us some problems where we can get stuck because we just don't really know what we are aiming for. And then how, though, we can look at grief going forward and learning to walk with it. Mm. Well, you know, I, I agree. We have a lot of expectations when it comes to grieving. We have cultural expectations. We have uh, expectations from our families or from our church communities. And it can be hard to figure out uh, 
the the path that's before us our our culture tells us like you said to to move on that there's a certain amount of time that's appropriate for grieving different losses um that a job loss ha- has a certain unnamed amount of time that you're allowed to grieve that and then you're supposed to pull yourself up by the bootstraps get off unemployment and go and find another job um relational losses have different time stamps on them uh, the death of a loved one has a different time stamp but but you're right. We feel this deep within ourselves that grief continues long after our culture tells us it should be over. Mm-hmm. And I, I think in large part, that's because grief is this amazing capacity with which we were designed. Uh, we were designed to feel deeply. We were designed mm-hmm. to love deeply. And so when that love is lost in whatever form it comes, we we experience grief. And For people who are people of faith, they understand that grieving is something that they will do in one respect or another until Jesus comes back and all things are made new. And uh, and yet, when it comes to the practical aspects of our lives, we're far less willing to offer ourselves the the self-compassion and kindness Mm. that needs to go along with that long view of grieving. I like to think about grief as a companion instead of a journey or a process because uh, a process and a journey has an end. It has a destination. And certainly our grieving process has a destination in that new kingdom that God will inaugurate one day. But uh, for us now, in this space, in the here and now, grief is far more like a companion. Uh, it's far more like the um, the unwelcome visitor who arrives at your doorstep and just infiltrates every space of your life mm-hmm. from the kitchen table where you eat, your appetite, your bedroom, uh, your interactions with your kids in the living room. Uh, and so this idea of companionship, I think, is actually a more helpful way to think about grieving because we realize that we can take grief wherever we need to go. Mm. And sometimes that's unwelcome. Grief is not a particularly nice companion at your child's, uh, you know, end of the year concert or uh, at the, uh, the Christmas play. We wish that that companion was not there. And yet also when we listen to grief, when we turn to its wisdom, understanding that the spirit has given us this gift, this capacity to feel deeply, we realize that grief can offer us in its companionship a lot of wisdom, uh, reoriented priorities, a sense of the preciousness of life mm-hmm. that maybe we didn't notice before. Yeah. So even as it's unwelcome, I think it also can be uh, a beneficial companion to us as well. I found that so helpful in understanding this as a companion because so often in my experience, when I will have these feelings come up, the first inclination I have is like you said, time has passed now. It's time to be over this. That's like, right. You should be a lot more spiritual or a lot more mature that you're not feeling this way anymore. And that doesn't help. It continues to beg to be noticed. As you mentioned at the conference, you know, it could be watching people shop during the holidays. It could mm-hmm. be at the grocery store. You just see something that just triggers that moment and you're overcome, but yet you don't feel necessarily that you have the permission mm-hmm. to enter that or access it. And so we keep pushing this companion though away, but that the function of that companion, if we see this as, as a visitor, though this visitor may be unwelcome, that 
It is to draw us into that compassion that God already has for us, that we are actually pushing away this thing that God so much through our grief wants to deliver to us that we then learn to speak to ourselves with that same Mm -hmm. compassion and that same language that we have a new empowerment and a new strength that comes through wounds that often we wish were not there, but that that is the redemption unfolding in real time as we're living it right now until we get to the point of eternity, we get to that destination point, but that we have such a road to go before Mm -hmm. we get there. And that grief is actually the thing that causes us to pause. It takes our breath away, but it causes us to pause and take the moment though to recognize what is even sacred mm-hmm. about this thing that you have lost or this person you've lost, whatever whatever it is you're processing. And I think the hard part for many women who've experienced divorce or a breakup of a relationship, something like that, is grief is not really addressed in that. Mm-hmm. that. We then don't recognize that sometimes what we continue to grieve, even though it's not necessarily the person, sometimes there's a period of time where that does pass and you do get over that person, um, so to speak. Some people, though, that continues on for a long time and mm-hmm. we're not really sure why, but that sometimes these triggered moments remind us of a life that we lost though, and that there's a grieving in that, that aside from this person, there are dreams that are gone. There's security that's gone. There's even the sense of who I thought I was and who God is that's gone. And grief though is the thing that teaches us to reckon with those those things and draw us into a greater sense of God's presence in these circumstances that are just absolutely devastating. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that we often feel we beat ourselves up a lot. Mm. Um, We set our expectations very high for ourselves and uh, we don't offer ourselves the kind of space and time that we need to to reckon with the things that we have lost. So many times uh, in the grief community, we talk about uh, we talk about primary losses and then we talk about secondary losses. So mm. you have your primary losses, that person that left or the um, the 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 loved one who died. Um, but there are all of these secondary losses that we experience that I think we we don't give ourselves enough time to fully experience the weight of those. Like you say, the security. Um, the financial concerns that come up, even mm-hmm. relational concerns uh, in our parenting, you know, uh, yeah. the, the conflict that we experience that is a loss, the peace that was lost. And, um, and many times we're able to reckon with the primary loss much more easily. There's a permanence that comes along with it mm-hmm. that is undeniable to reckon with, but it's all of these secondary losses that are ongoing and and oftentimes crop up many years after that primary loss has occurred. Mm-hmm. And so when we understand grief as a companion, when those moments come a year or two years or five years after that primary loss, we can, instead of saying, wow, I'm really backtracking, I, I mm-hmm. wish that, you know, it feels like I'm just spinning my wheels, we can say, oh, this is just the emergence of my companion grief and and turn to it with compassion. Say, grief, what do you what do you mm-hmm. wish to share with me mm-hmm. about the preciousness of life, about um, about my dependence on God, or um, even about the woundedness of the world? How can I turn this pain into some kind of purpose? Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's just a gentler way to care for ourselves. And I think 
it's genuinely the way that Jesus cares for us. Mm-hmm. That's the truth. I also appreciate the fact, though, that you just mentioned that this is something that comes out in our parenting. Yes. Because <laughs> not only are we grieving, our kids are too. And mm-hmm. everybody's grief is bumping up against each other. And it's yeah. just everyone feels overwhelmed. And there's all these big feelings and those sorts of things. And when we have the ability to say, though, oh, my child misbehaving or acting out is actually a sign of their grief, mm-hmm. then we have a, a just a different approach. But if we haven't accepted that in our own, in ourselves, then we don't, we can't extend compassion to our kids quite as well as we could if we first were able to receive it from God and extend it to ourselves. As far as though that visitor continuing to pop up, you know, years down the track, and I have experienced this where it's like, what is this? I feel like I'm going backwards. There are some times though that we're having either an emotion or a physical response even that Mm -hmm. is actually grief that if we're not attuned to that, we don't even realize that that's what's happening. Can you share a little bit more about, you know, what are some of those emotions and what are some of those things that may be happening within our bodies that are drawing us to this understanding that we are being visited by this grief. Yeah. Well, I think in practical terms, you know, if if you have a big event coming, say you've got a, a child graduating from eighth grade or, uh, you know, you, uh, you have a, a milestone marker coming up and you notice uh, that you're just not sleeping well lately. And um, you think, well, you know, I'm stressed. We got a lot of stuff going on. There's the party after the graduation. And it's very easy to think about the material things right before you that mm-hmm. are influencing these things in your body. But we know that, you know, as the famous book says, the body keeps the score. We know that we hold within our bodies. We carry grief in even down to our very cells. And so when we notice these sorts of things, um, changes in our appetite, changes in our sleep patterns, our energy levels, it, it behooves us to take a step back and say, okay, is it the daily, the warp and woof of my daily schedule? Do, do I need to pull some things out and create some more margin in my calendar? And that may be, or, or, and is it that I have some grief that's showing up here around what I expected this day to look like? Um, mm-hmm. What I hoped for my child in this day, what I hope for myself in this day. And to actually spend some time to carve out some space to grieve it, to journal about it, to talk mm. to the Lord about it, to talk to a trusted friend about it. And um, and it's when we create space, that's not like it's some magical, oh, now I'm going to sleep so well because I got this off my chest. Maybe that will happen for you and wouldn't that be wonderful, right? Yeah. Um, but, but even when you don't feel an immediate change, there is a change in your entire constitution when you've given grief that space. Mm. And I think that is a really vital thing that we can not only do for ourselves, but model to our children because our kids, they don't grieve like adults do. So they they grieve in a way that's sort of like popcorn popping up mm. all the time. You know, they have a big grief experience and then they go out and play soccer and and you think of it and it's yeah. like wow this oh <laughs> feels like a, a roller coaster or a pendulum swinging and we think well like i guess they're okay now and then it pops up again and we're all surprised and it creates a mess or havoc in our house um but really when we're modeling that kind of taking space creating margin being intentional and mindful about our our inner life 
we're modeling for our children how to go about doing that as they develop and grow. Mm. Yes, kids grieve very differently. They um, they have so much life ahead of them and energy ahead of them that they don't dwell on things like adults do. Mm-hmm. They will get to the place where they do start to reflect more. And we are teaching them now through our modeling how to reflect on those things when they have a quiet moment when they start to feel overwhelmed. And we can talk through that with them too. Like, hey, you know, uh, Sarah, I noticed that you're having trouble sleeping at night and you just, you have bags under your eyes every morning when we're getting ready for school. Do you think you're missing dad? You know, Mm. let's talk about this. Uh, Do you think it's more than just you stayed up late doing your homework and invite them to that kind of introspection? Um, it's it's a good way of modeling and practicing it with them so that when they get to the place where they need to do this on their own, they're equipped to do it well. Mm-hmm. I think too, this is an indication of how we're able to help them figure out the thing beneath the thing. And I've seen though, that that is a lot of the times where I get stuck. So even as you're talking (laughs) about um, not sleeping well, you know, we're like, oh, well, it was because like my allergies were really bad, you know, and and just all sort of different explanations that we have, or, or yeah, I'm stressed out because we have this big event coming up and there's all these moving pieces. And because we're not identifying though, truly what the source is, we don't get to the bottom of it. And I've seen this most powerfully in my emotional experience, a lot of times with loneliness, where mm-hmm. I'm looking at this experience with being alone and feeling like, well, I have the Lord though, and I have this great community. Like, shouldn't I just be over that? You know, like this is your season of life. Like you just, that's what it is and accept it. And it wasn't until I read your book that I was able to look at that as grief, mm-hmm. that being alone is the trigger for the loneliness, but it's the trigger of the grief that's mm-hmm. inviting me to, to recognize again, you being alone is not God's design for moms. Right. It's not. Yeah. And that's what's drawing me into the grief of not just this primary loss, as you mentioned, mm-hmm. not just the loss of the lifestyle that I had or the dreams or all those sorts of things, but also the loss of what felt like security, even with mm-hmm. God to say, well, now these things happened, like what's going to happen next, you know, and to be drawn into the recognition though of the world not being as God designed it. None Mm -hmm. of these things that we're walking through are as God has planned, but that He is redeeming it and that He is moving us into a hope-filled future. But we don't just bypass all of those and and jump straight to the like, oh, but Jesus is coming back, you know? (laughs) Like We really do have these moments, though, of these things that they, they have They have such a prevalence though. And when we don't have the ability to call it what it really is or figure out what the source really is, I think that's where we get to the point of like this thought just is swirling around and around and around. And I can't get, I can't get to the bottom of it and I can't get through it. And now it's like this, this experience may come back, right? But now that I know what to call it, now I know what to name it it does feel like something just breaks though that gives me a new perspective or gives me a new energy like you said that that carries me forward 
in a way that un- unless I name it, I'm not able to access for some reason. That's right. And and I think that a lot of our, our experience of avoiding there is just driven by fear. We're mm-hmm. afraid that if, if I took the time to actually find out what is beneath uh, all of what is happening on the surface here that I would become undone. I mean, mm. I, I, you know, I've finally figured out how to run my household or I've finally uh, balanced my schedule or my child and I are finally not, you know, locking horns all the time. If I actually took the time to figure out what this is beneath the surface, everything would come undone. It would become mm. unraveled and I would fall apart. And I think as women who are um, in a season where God is calling us to do this on our own, there is a deep fear of of things falling apart. Mm-hmm. And, um, and we feel like we've got to hold on to the reins. We've got to keep the all of the plates in the air. And, um, and if we take the time to really stop and stare this scary thing in the face Mm. that it's going to be the end of us. And I'm reminded how in the gospels, we often see of, uh, we often read of Jesus going off to lonely places to pray. And, you know, when I was um, new to my grief, I found such comfort in that that in my loneliest place, like that was a place that Jesus sought out and Mm -hmm. that there was something about being alone where I could meet him uniquely. And, um, and that took away some of the fear, I think, Mm -hmm. of turning toward those hard feelings and, uh, and facing them, sitting with them, just knowing Jesus sought out lonely places. He's here with me and mine. Mm. And um, and so I don't need to be afraid because as lonely as I feel, as afraid as I feel to touch those scary emotions and um, and deal with them, I know that Jesus is actually sitting beside me. Yeah. And I think, as you mentioned, you know, we're afraid to enter into it because we're afraid that things are going to fall apart. But mm-hmm. I think the thing for that I've just come to understand is that if we'll enter it though, it's where actually things can come together yes. in in the sense of how <laughs> God has for yes. us to understand who he is really and who we are and what he's doing in us that in our weakness, we're made strong, you know, mm-hmm. that we don't have to like pull it all together by our bootstraps, you know, that, that in the collapsing, wow. Like I just think about the most brokenhearted times of my life where it was that was where I felt God's presence the clearest, mm-hmm. you know, or the most palpably, you know, and and now being able to more easily get into that place um, mm-hmm. without all the brokenness, you know, but, but yeah. knowing that that was what was to be gained, you know, yes. but I think the thing that is so helpful about this though, too, is as we talk about life continuing on, mm-hmm. there comes a point sometimes where this grief feels burdensome because I do have to continue my life. Like life keeps going, whether I want it to or not, whether I'm ready for it or not. And I think one of the things that you mentioned that I'd like to have you speak into more is that sometimes we characterize this as a moving on. That Mm -hmm. there, again, comes this point where I have cut this off now, this is all in the past, and now I have to, you know, move on beyond it all. But you frame this more so as a moving forward. So can you speak to that um, and how we're able to, through grief, work into that? 
Yeah. You know, grief isn't the only voice. Uh, I'm a former teacher. And I know if you've been a teacher, if you sat in a classroom of children, you know that you ask a question and everyone wants to talk. And uh, as a teacher, part of your job in classroom management is teasing out some of those quieter students, uh, giving space for the students who are enthusiastic and want to talk a lot, but also need to know when it's time to be quiet. Uh, that, that kind of management is just a normal part of what makes for a healthy classroom. And the same goes for our emotional life as well. Uh, in some seasons of our lives, grief will be that loud student at the front of the classroom who's just the hand up, you know, you, you can imagine it, the you pick me, pick me, pick me, you know, they can barely sit down because they've got so much to say. And, um, and it's important to take time and listen to grief. But it's also important to say, okay, you've had enough to say right now. I want you to sit quietly. And I want you, Joy, in the back, I want you to have a voice or contentment. You haven't said anything in a long time, but I know mm. you're thinking, would you speak now? And I think when we think about our emotional life in that kind of way, that that we are many parts all together, then we, we don't need to feel as though we're moving on from one particular emotion. We see that we have many emotions that inform the way that we live and that God has designed us this way, masterfully designed us this mm. way to be able to feel all kinds of different things. And so instead of moving on from grief, we just say, you're not the only voice in my life. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm going to let you be quiet now so that I can listen to some of the other voices in my life. And that idea of moving forward really in the conversation, that sort of internal emotional conversation, I think allows us to feel all the feels, mm -hmm. to be able to give grief its airtime and give it its space, but also tell it when it's had enough. And when um, the realities of joy and peace and hope, these things that didn't die off when um, our relationship died or when our expectations of how life would work out and died, uh, that these things are still alive. They're just quiet and they need some cultivating and um, they need attending to. Mm. And we can do those things. We can um, we can do those in little ways. And the more we allow those voices to speak sort of in our heart's classroom, the, the bolder they will become and the more balanced our emotional life will be. Mm -hmm. I think that balance is the thing. Sometimes there even can be some guilt that comes with this as we're moving mm -hmm. forward in our lives, you know, that we feel sometimes when that grief is really loud, you know, we give it, if we give it its attention, you know, um, even, even it may naturally start to quiet down some. Yeah. And then we start to feel these things like hope, or we start to feel these things like, well, there's still life for me, you know, mm -hmm. and, and we start to, to want to look at those ideas, but then it seems that, well, but am I betraying? this grief? Am I betraying this experience? And, you know, how do I reconcile all of these pieces? And I love the idea of a classroom. I'm just imagining in my mind, like all these little kids, I'm thinking of that movie Inside Out, where it's like yes, all the little there characters, you, you know, and yeah. it's like, but that really is where, you know, sometimes where we would feel maybe a guilt or a shame, or even maybe a sense of entitlement to like an anger that would come out of this, you know, mm -hmm. that um, we're able to hold some space for that 
to let it have its time, but then to continue to allow for that experience to shift in terms of its meaning and and what it feels like to us. Um, and all the time recognizing that, yes, it may have its origins in this loss point and this primary loss, but that it's going to just have a, a it's going to mean something so very different in the, the long-term trajectory of the story as we just learn to let it all kind of be held with an open hand. Yes. Yeah. And and I want to make a sharp distinction between this kind of thinking and a sort of silver lining, rose-colored glasses kind of thinking, because this is not superimposing happy meaning and purpose on something terrible. You Mm -hmm. know, if if you're coming out of a situation where something was dreadful, uh, something terribly done to you, you don't need to turn and be like, well, I know that God has good purpose in this. Mm -hmm. I mean, there does not need to be that kind of pivot. There is space to say, I'm going to hold the joy of my life now along with the sorrow. And I'm not going to try to explain or reconcile the two. I can Mm -hmm. live with that level of mystery Mm -hmm. because I think when we start to kind of look for the silver lining, like, oh, there's got to be something good that comes out of this. Well, sometimes we won't see that. We won't We won't ever see the terrible things that were done to us reconciled in this life. Mm. Uh, you know, it may be that the only piece of this experience that we carry that is prominent is the grief piece mm. of it. But our lives, uh, they grow around that loss. They grow around that grief. And so that point of pain may never find its clear meaning or transformation in a way that you could sort of write out on a fortune cookie or give in a testimony at church. You know, it it may not be that clean and neat, but it doesn't mean that you can't experience the the good parts of life. Uh, Because as you hold that painful place, uh, it becomes like the grain of sand in that oyster around which grows a pearl. Mm. Uh, You know, every oyster, the pearl begins with some kind of irritant in there that that causes the oyster, stimulates the the creation of those uh, materials to make the pearl. And it may be that way in your life as well, Mm -hmm. that that seed of pain always remains there, but there are beautiful things that that come around it mm. to create a fuller picture of the life that God longs for you to have. Yeah. I think that is so important what you just said though, about the fact that we're not maybe always going to be able to figure out why, you know, and yes. that there's going to be mystery with this. And I think sometimes that, um, you know, if we put this into like a fortune cookie format or, you know, a, a 60 minute sermon sort of a thing, it's, it does get really easy to boil it down too mm-hmm. simplified, you know, and when we are walking through it, it's like, that's not what my experience <laughs> right. is. Yeah. So, um, and, you know, for example, even things like pain to purpose, like that is true in the sense that God mm-hmm. is not wasting any bit of the pain that we experience. But greater than that is the peace of knowing the Lord in it, you know, that it's not going to be that you have this magical, like this great big purpose aside from the peace of God, though, being poured into you. And that as you experience the peace of the Lord, as you walk through your suffering, that you have that peace to extend to your Mm -hmm. loved ones, to your children, to the people around you, to other people that are that are suffering that come across your path, that that's the through line is knowing 
through this chaos in this fallen, broken world, that that's what we're bumping up against when we're grieving is that chaos, right? That God is bringing forth peace and order. And we have the ability to start to perceive this shalom though, as as we recognize the grief, right? Mm -hmm. And that that's, that truly is where the purposefulness of the things that we've experienced comes from that we're not stuck though in the kingdom of darkness, that this is actually the thing that God is using for our good to remove us from that kingdom of destruction and darkness to his kingdom of light, where we have the ability to start walking in that, that that truth becomes just more and more and more true to us as we just step courageously Mm -hmm. one step at a time with the grief sort of in our, in our back pocket. Yeah, that's right. Okay, let's get real for a second. Have you ever just looked around at your life and thought, is this really all that there is? I know I have. But what if God actually agrees with us? Plus One Parents has released a brand new Bible study experience called Made for More, 30 Days of Discovering God's Redemption in Your Disappointment. In this study, you'll have a look at the scriptures and what they tell us about where God is in our disappointment, what He is doing to draw near to us even when we have doubt and exactly what he is doing to redeem every last piece of our stories, even the mistakes. Made for More is now available, and it's part of the Plus One Parents Collective all-access membership level, which you'll find a link to down in the show notes. What you see around you in life right now is not all that there is. You were made for more. Clarissa, as it comes to grief, though, and moving forward, some of those times, as we've talked about, that are going to pop up may actually be related to holidays though and celebrations or times that should be seem to be celebrations and as we're talking about this this we're right on the cusp of the holiday season here for a woman who is hearing this conversation is like okay grief my companion all right i don't really want grief at my <laughs> thanksgiving table though i yeah, don't for sure. i don't like her i don't want her there you know um how do, how can we hold this tension though of this time of what feels like should be celebration everybody else yeah. seems to be celebrating but now i have this unwelcome guest at my table yeah well you know research shows us uh that a healthy level of compartmentalization is okay. Mm-hmm. I think that's good to to set out there at the forefront because a lot of times we talk about compartmentalization as an unhealthy practice. Uh, you know, we don't want to bottle away our feelings and sweep them under the rug. And yes, you don't want to do that as a lifestyle choice. That that's not good. But it is. It can be a healthy coping strategy to get through difficult times. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important for us to understand that as we approach the holidays because. Holidays are never just about you or you and your kids. There are always other other people involved, other hearts involved that you don't have any control over. And um, it's a situation in which you have very little agency Hmm. to, um, to control the entire landscape. And so I think going in saying, okay, I'm going to do what I need to do for myself, for my children. um, And I'm going to set aside maybe some feelings for a little while and feel them at another time. I'm going to set aside, maybe I'm going to commit that This Thanksgiving dinner is going to be a joyful one for my children because of what we've all been through this year. And so I'm going to set aside time in the morning to literally grieve. 
Mm. from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. when the turkey goes in the oven, that's the time that I've set aside for myself to grieve. And I'm going to compartmentalize that in a healthy way so that I get the tears out, so that I've had the time to talk to the Lord. I've had time to be angry before Him Mm. about the disappointment that I'm feeling about this day not being what I wanted it to be, so that I don't have to carry that in full force to the table when we're all sitting together. Mm. I think that kind of healthy compartmentalization can be helpful to us. Um, Of course, knowing, you know, this is a strategy, this is a one-off strategy. This isn't a lifestyle. I think also um, reorienting our expectations um, Mm. it can be very helpful. After any kind of loss, we, we turn to traditions a lot of times because they're familiar. But traditions can also be really painful in the face of loss. And so offering ourselves the opportunity to change things up a bit, mm-hmm. to not necessarily create new traditions because we may not be in that place yet, mm-hmm. but to simply acknowledge that traditions, while they can offer comfort, sometimes are uncomfortable. and. Um, it can give us the release we may need to do things differently, to create more space for ourselves, to do something wild and fun that our kids weren't expecting, um, to take some time for ourselves if that's something that we need. And um, I think that it's when we release those expectations that we can create a holiday experience that is manageable Uh, that is survivable. Uh, There's a a great grief researcher uh, named George Bonanno, and he he talks about coping ugly. He says, you know, it it, it does not need to be beautiful. Let's just get through it. Mm. And there's something to be said for that. Yeah. (laughs) Resilience, that resilience is born out of of just getting done what needs to get done. Mm. And it doesn't sound beautiful, but it is the kind of um, of stick-to-itiveness, the tenacity that says, um, I am a whole person and I can get through this one hard day. I can opt out of the day if mm. I need to. Mm-hmm. Um, I can turn it into what I need it to be. I have agency in this situation to... Um, make it what I, what it needs to be. Uh, so, you know, I think about the first holidays after our loss and they were very um, scattered, mm-hmm. <laughs> not have regular holiday meals at all. I did not feel like making anything celebratory. Mm-hmm. And uh, now I look back at it and I think no one was damaged by that. Yeah. You know, my kids survived. They talk about the funky foods we ate and how strange it was. <laughs> but um but they knew that mm-hmm. things were hard. Mm-hmm. I didn't need to hide it from them. Uh, we could be honest together and create a holiday that we could all survive and um, and that wouldn't leave us absolutely depleted after it was over. Mm. I think that's so valuable what you just shared because I think a lot of times we feel like, well, I need to do these traditions because that's going to help my kids keep it together. That yes. I need to have these stiff upper lip, you know, so that nobody is aware of what I'm really feeling. And I don't want to wreck it for everybody else, but we don't do anybody any favors. And then those are the times where we end up like, like melting down, you know, because yes. I burnt the pie or something. In the know? bathroom, we close the door and lock it. <laughs> yes. but because we took on too much and ignored our grief in the process. And that with the perspective of time, you can look back on those times and go, yeah, 
I changed it because I couldn't handle all of those things. I was really sad or I was really angry or, you know, those kinds of things. And again, with the modeling for our kids, it's like, if mom has to modify things because she's feeling sad or upset, then it's okay if I have to do that too. And it's that, it's the permission, you know, Mm -hmm. that's in that space. But I think it's also a modeling of the way that God designed community. Mm -hmm. And it's one thing for us to be able to do this with our kids. But I think one of the things about the holidays that can be so sticky is we're dealing with these big emotions with other people around. And those people might not be safe for us to express our emotions with. Mm -hmm. You know, it may be, you know, for example, that you've got to skip out on holiday with certain relatives this year because Mm -hmm. they won't get you. You know, that if you do need to, in the middle of the celebration, and I've had this, you know, where it's like you walk into the bathroom and you just, or I was in the laundry room, you know, and it was just like, you're crying. You know, if you know that you go do that, somebody's come going to come give you a hug and say, I'm so sorry, I'm here with you. Great. Like go have Thanksgiving or Christmas or whatever with those people. But if you don't feel that you know who those people are in your life, that it's okay to sequester, you know, to, Mm -hmm. to cocoon in those moments, because it's, it's more important in that experience that you are able to know that you're held. And if that is even in between you and God, then let that be. And it's all right if people are not going to get why you don't want to come or it's okay if they're like, well, she should get over it by now, you know, and that kind of stuff. Like let them have that. It'll pass. You will deal with it at some other point when it is, when you have a greater sense of what your needs are and who can meet them and what your boundaries are and all those types of things. But if you're in the middle of the survival mode, now is not the time. Now is the time to find where is safe mm-hmm. and step towards that. And as you said, just change those expectations. Yeah. It's okay yeah. if it looks different. <laughs> yeah. And if you don't, if you don't feel like you have the boldness to do that, because I think it does take a measure of boldness for mm-hmm. us to be able to uh, verbalize those things. It feels big to say, I'm not coming to Christmas this year, or, you know, we're going to have the holidays at my house this year. And, and you may not have that boldness yet. Like that may be a part of your woundedness to Mm -hmm. just still be trying to find your voice in this. Um, I, I, my, uh, my grief counselor said to me once in difficult situations that you feel like you can't get out of, that you're not quite sure you have the boldness to step away from yet. She said, instead, take the posture of an observer. And mm. I found that to be tremendously helpful uh, in the same way that you might think of yourself as like a reporter right on site, uh, sitting at the table instead of engaging emotionally with the conversation uh, where that's what you might have done before feeling it deeply and being wounded by it, sit and observe the dynamics. Oh, Mm. isn't it so interesting that whenever Aunt Sally mentions this, Uncle Jim has a, makes the face or, you know, to step back from it a little bit, Mm. um, to observe the emotions of others, to, um, to observe the group dynamics allows you to take yourself out of that situation to emotionally compartmentalize a Mm -hmm. little bit, which can become its own safe space for you. Mm. Uh, if you're not quite to the place yet where you feel like you can be bold enough to entirely check out of an event. Mm. Um, Because there are some events that will feel almost impossible to do that in. And there may be some situations where because of the requirements of your family, um, 
or, you know, uh, group expectations are just not able to, you have to participate. But that emotional compartmentalization to just start to pay attention, approach it with curiosity mm-hmm. can be a helpful tool to, um, to navigating that particular event in a way that uh, allows you to come home and reflect and say, all right, I noticed things were crazier than I ever thought. Yeah. Or wow, you know, I noticed things about this person I never knew knew before. And it's helped me to understand how I can relate to them in a future, in a future engagement. Um, So I think that posture can be really helpful as you're just starting to figure out how you're going to navigate your holidays with others. I think that is so pivotal for us to use those gifts like curiosity and Mm -hmm. observation because that is even in finding who are the people who are safe too. Yes. Those are the things that, th- those are the gifts that when we do hold back some, that we have the ability to allow people to show us who they really are instead of rushing into a situation that's not safe yeah. for us and then divulging too much or leaning too mm-hmm. much. And then, oh no, now I feel all this you know remorse and, and oversharing regret you know because I yeah. have trusted someone who I shouldn't have. That in in this experience of loss, that those moments actually can be so educational and mm-hmm. and uh, helpful because we have the ability to start seeing the patterns of who mm-hmm. is safe and how do they show it, who is unsafe and how are they showing that, so that we start to as we do feel more free to start to lean into people. Mm-hmm. Um, some of us may like have that inclination right away and end up kind of maybe off in a direction we didn't want to be in. And then some of us may feel like I'm so held back. I don't ever want to share. I don't ever want to have to lean onto somebody. But that curiosity and observation can give us such a wealth of information Mm -hmm. to help us step through this with other people, because that is how God has, has knit us together in, in being able to share these experiences with one another. And that, that is another one of those beautiful things that he has given to us to be able to help us to continue to move forward. Yes. Yeah. Clarissa, I am so, so grateful for all the wisdom that you've shared with us in this conversation. At the end of every conversation, I ask each guest the same question. And it Mm -hmm. is, if there was just one thing that you would want a single mom to know, what would it be? I would say that you are beloved. I think after a lot of loss, it can be easy to think of yourself in a functional kind of role. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm I'm a mom, I'm a breadwinner, I'm a provider, I'm a chauffeur. And we can easily define ourselves by the roles that we hold and the hats that we wear. And good golly, we wear so many hats, mm-hmm. so many hats. But beneath all of those things that we do and provide for our children, we are beloved. We are treasured just as we are. And um, and I think we need to offer ourselves a little bit more space sometimes 
to hear those words wash over us, to let them sink deep into us, that beyond all of the things that we do or don't do, the the parenting successes or failures, uh, that we are, are held by one who calls us beloved. And that belovedness is the thing that is the strength and comfort, the sustaining that we need to um, to step into the roles that God has called us to do and to do them not out of a begrudging spirit, but out of a worshipful spirit uh, in response to that love that we've been given. Mm, thank you so, so much. Yeah. Clarissa, would you tell listeners about your resources and how they can follow you? Yeah, you can join me at clarissamall.com. It's where you'll find all of my writing and information about my book, uh, Beyond the Darkness, A Gentle Guide for Living with Grief and Thriving After Loss. I'm all about being honest about grief and also about Jesus's presence with us in it. So Mm -hmm. you'll find information there. If you're an Instagram person, I love to hang out there on Instagram at Mall Clarissa. You can find me there. And, you know, I am committed to writing back to every DM and every single email I receive. I think when someone is um, bold enough to reach out and share their story, they should never hit uh, radio silence. So uh, you can know that if you write, I will write back to you. It's a joy to connect. Uh, grief is a terrible thing to experience and loss is um, is so deeply wounding, but it's also an amazing way of drawing close to other people and finding in them the love of God. So um, I would I would love to have anybody uh, reach out and uh, connect with me in those ways. Awesome. And I will include links in the show notes to make it easier for the listeners to connect Great. with you. But I just want to thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you. If you found this conversation with Clarissa to be helpful, I've got a couple others that I can suggest for you. Check out episode 120, Life Can Be Good Again, Loss and Lack Transformed by the Goodness of God with Lisa Apollo. You may also enjoy episode 114, Grieving and Letting Go, The Role of Acknowledging Pain in Embracing Your Future with Dr. John Deloney. I'd love to invite you to get more involved with the Plus One Parents community. If you head over to plusoneparents.org, you can sign up to become part of our free private community experience, the Plus One Parents Collective. On the website, you can also check out our blog and other resources on topics relating to dating and parenting, abuse recovery, and spiritual well-being. Or you can also get on our mailing list to receive Plus One Parent exclusive updates. You can also find us on Facebook or Instagram at plusone.parents. I'm so grateful that you're a part of this community and that you were able to join me for this episode today. I pray always that you would know that you are seen and you are beloved.